Welcome to Beyond the Reiki Gateway, a podcast reserved for the spiritually curious. Journey further with Reiki Masters Kathleen Johnson and Andrea Kennedy through in-depth conversations, many featuring inspiring and intriguing special guests to enrich your unique spiritual progression. We're beyond the Reiki Gateway today with a very special guest. Nicole Burkholzer, speaker, author, educator, is an animal communicator and equine behavior and communication specialist. Her unique approach to working with all animals is based on respect, deep listening, and ancient wisdom. Nicole's work is informed by over two decades of working one-on-one with individual animals as well as various animal-centered organizations. In her consultations, webinars, workshops, and talks, Nicole teaches you to engage with your animals in the present moment, explores the logic behind your animal's behaviors, and helps you find mindful solutions. Kathleen and I are thrilled to have you with us, Nicole, and we can't wait to get into this topic. And I know so many of our listeners have been waiting to have an animal communication specialist on the podcast, and we just want to welcome you. Oh my God, I'm so thrilled to be here. <laughs> and we're thrilled to have you. Thank you for having me. What Andrea said is so true. Our listeners have been asking for an animal communication specialist for some time. And we're so grateful that we came across you and your work. I'd like to dive right in if it's okay with you. Absolutely. Let's go for it. First of all, I'd like to know a little bit about you. How did you get to do this? How did this come to you as a if I can use the term life's work, what's your story? I think what's interesting is that I have lived my entire life body-based. Though I grew up in Germany uh, in an interesting household where my dad is an engineer and my mom was the person who stayed mostly home with myself and my sister, we were very left-brain trained. And what I noticed as a child is that my body would give me a lot of information. You know, there was this deep desire to connect with horses. And so from a very little age, I begged, begged, begged to have a horse, which by the age of five, my parents finally signed me up to go to a local barn where I got to do gymnastics on horseback. I didn't get to do riding lessons, but I was doing little gymnastics kneeling on the horse, sitting backwards, doing all kinds of fun poses on a moving horse. And that kind of got me started with horses. And right around the same time, I also had this deep, deep desire to come and live in the United States, which is really curious. And it would be inspired usually by music or by movies. So back in those days, I was watching uh, Westerns. My godmother allowed me to watch TV, which my parents really didn't. And so I would watch these Westerns and being usually for the underdog, I so connected with the Indians and the horses and the unjust things that were happening. And I was like, I need to go to that country. This is where I need to live. I started to fall in love with music by Frank Sinatra, you know, New York, New York, I did it my way. And then it became the Eagles Hotel of California. And every time I heard these very classic Americana things, I was like, I need to get out of here. And I need to get over there. (laughs) 
And so when I finally grew up and became an advertising executive, that became my opportunity to go and work for one of our sister agencies in New York City. And I took that opportunity, though I didn't speak English because high school English was miserably bad. I was much more of a learning by doing person. And so I just went with, I had a thousand dollars in my pocket or something. And I went to live in New York City and become an apprentice at an advertising agency. And I never left. How old were you when you came over? I think 22. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> That's quite a story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, and it was interesting because I think it totally set me up for the rest of my life. I mean, of course it did, but there was something really specific about not speaking the language, which sounds, you know, sometimes people say, oh, you were so brave. And I'm like, no, I was naive. I simply listened to the body. I did not pay attention to the left brain saying, uh, maybe you should know a little bit more before you head out <laughs> into the world. <laughs> and so when I was desperately alone in New York City, the company realized I had very little knowledge that I could contribute to the work there. And every time they said a sentence, I had to go through my dictionary and look up all the words to understand what they were talking about. What became really interesting is that in those meetings, when I didn't understand the words, I watched and I became an extremely amazingly sharp observer because it was survival, right? I needed to understand, are we having a good meeting? Are we having a bad meeting? Who is mad? Who's glad? What is the energy? How can I help even if I might not be able to help in that intellectual way? It became an interesting time to master observation. I started volunteering at a therapeutic writing center on the Upper West Side in New York. It was in one of those brownstone buildings. It was an amazing setup. Within a building, there was a small little writing ring at the Claremont Writing Academy. And I was working with blind adults on horseback. And they had to navigate around pillars. And I was just like, oh, my God, you can communicate with these people and these horses without needing a lot of words. It was more about energy. It was about teaching those blind riders to feel the impediment coming up where the room was and how they needed to ride around. It set me up to be really in tune with animals and people after I went to this hard season there in New York when I didn't speak. Wow. So up to that point, you really had no special training for dealing with animals. Is that correct? That's an interesting way of asking because I personally believe that we have all the training while we're children. We don't need training because I feel as children, we have this incredible connection still to ourselves, to animals, to plants, to trees, right? We all, most of us had a special tree that we hung out with when we were children, right? If we had trees around us. And so I remember that my animal interactions were all, once again, based on the body. I could feel, ooh, this dog wants to go for a walk. He's getting a little agitated. Or I would come to the barn at that point when I was 14, 15. I had a very great friend in town who had several horses and I got to ride one of them. And so we would come to the barn and 
say, okay, what are we going to do today based on what the horses and us felt? So it wasn't a childhood where I went for ribbons or special accomplishments with the horse. We were just hanging out. So I think what gets tricky for us as humans is that once we get domesticated ourselves, right, because we all <laughs> have to somehow function in this world, we lose a lot of our bright brain intuitive selves. We miss tuning into the body because we're being taught to override the body often. Eventually, we need to relearn what we don't remember. That intuition, that inborn knowledge becomes socialized out of us. We're conditioned to start being fully left-brained and rational, logical. And by the time we reach adulthood, I would say most of us have left that other part kind of buried. Absolutely. I, that's exactly right. I call it that our animals give us a chance to remember. And I see it even as a becoming again a member. You know, you, you renew your membership in a way. Oh, yeah. Because the animals have not changed. We are the ones who have changed. And I can see in my world, sometimes people acquire an animal based on a childhood memory. And then they go, nothing is working the same way it did when we were young. And I'm like, I know, because you're the one who changed. You don't, you don't read your animal the same way anymore. Yeah. So, Nicole, you were in New York, you were volunteering. And then what happened next? How did you get into what you're doing now? I had a coming to Jesus moment. That's what I call this day. At this point, the instructor at this riding school in New York City had invited me to come upstate New York to uh, work with her at her program up there. And I started to assist her in lessons on the weekends. And it was really interesting until one day a van pulled up and the instructor said to me, you know, you're going to love this new group of people who are coming. You just wait, Nicole. This is going to be so much fun. And I saw this van pull up and a group of women pile out, all severely disabled. And I had from childhood, which was also interesting, this odd fear about people with disabilities. I had a couple of odd circumstances where I ran into people that were unpredictable and past the trained left brain, everything needs to be in order. A person who was unpredictable was really scary to me. And there was a group of very unpredictable women coming towards the horses. And I went like, oh, my God, I don't know if I can do this. As I'm looking for the exit sign and also knowing that I'm not going to leave this instructor in the dust there, I decided, suck it up, get through it. And as these women started to sit on the horses and moving around on the horses, I realized, oh, my God. These women are transforming. They're looking different. One that never talks only on the horse. She's 45 years old. I remember this one, Margaret. Never would talk ever, except when she sat on the horse. So I realized that moment as I was watching this, <laughs> the light turned golden. And I was like, girlfriend, you need to change your job. And so I started to actually look into other programs where I could become a therapeutic riding instructor. I 
started to plan my exit strategy from the marketing world and advertising world and ended up taking a year off to become trained in the field to work with people with disabilities, ironically, and work with horses. My goodness. Yeah. Is this not amazing, right? <laughs> it really is. Yeah. What you fear most becomes your, your calling. So, and then I became a director of a therapeutic writing program, which was a really wonderful job and very fulfilling until I realized that the horses were not generally in those programs treated the way I think they should be treated. And what I mean by that is at that time, we're talking 15 years ago, the horses were members of the program, but often a vehicle to get the job done, right? Because they took care of the people and the people were the thing that needed to be taken care of. And I realized that a lot of the horses showed unexpected and undesired behaviors. I realized that these horses, when I looked through their eyes, had at times a wonderful life in somebody's backyard until that person said, eh, I'm too busy. I can't deal with this anymore. Why don't we give them to a riding program? And this horse's life changed from being someone's special horse to a horse that is owned by nobody and is really not in a place of having a partner, a human partner anymore, but 15 partners because there's a leader on a sidewalker and a client. And then tomorrow it's another leader on a sidewalker and a client. And I was like, oh my God, what are we putting these animals through on an emotional level? Even, you know, not only is it the hardest job to have a rider on your back who's unpredictable and nobody who can actually manage it, but the horse itself, but on top of it, you don't even have a person you can at night go like, oh, that was a heavy job today. And that's when I changed teams and I became an advocate for the horses. And I started teaching at therapeutic riding centers how to have a mindful connection with the animal while you're leading sidewalking, working with this horse. That's very transformative. It really is for that whole, I don't want to use the word industry. It is. It's a business. That's the tricky thing, right? The horse needs to perform. It is a business. Right. So at that point, how were you communicating with the horses? How was that happening for you? Yeah, it's very cool because the therapy horse was the first animal I ever heard. It was a Saturday night, last lesson. You know, we were all exhausted. Volunteers didn't show up and I had to lead a horse. And this horse was Buddy. Beautiful gray horse walking next to me. And at one point, Buddy reached over to me and nudged my hand. He kind of took his nose and went like, meh, meh. and for some odd reason, I said, what's up, Buddy? And the next thing I heard was, I'm done. And I, as if this is the most normal thing in the world, I looked at my watch and I said, well, you have 10 more minutes. And guess what? Tomorrow you're off. So let's just, you know, suck it up for 10 more minutes. And he went, okay and he kept walking <laughs> and I was like wait a second what just happened here <laughs> right and that got me curious because I had never heard I had only felt but never heard anybody that's when I went on a little remembering journey of taking classes connecting with animal communicators going to workshops and you know was sometimes successful sometimes not but I kind of worked 
back into my intuitive self. Eventually, I helped uh, create an equine wellness expo where we brought holistic practitioners into, actually, this was at UMass in, in Massachusetts, where we brought these amazing practitioners together to teach the horse community what else is available for us on a holistic and wholesome level. I became really a horse advocate. And at one point, I reconnected with one of my animal communication teachers. And she told me that she had a mentorship program. And so I put the word out to all my clients. And I said, hey, I need 60 case studies to go through this program. Can I talk to your animal? And people gladly, yeah, for free, of course, right? (laughs) People signed up. It was actually so funny that I think it took me six weeks. I mean, it was such a short amount of time to uh, have all these conversations and get these case studies down. And then all of a sudden, people would still say like, oh, can I do it? And I'm like, yeah, now I need to charge you $25, though, because I just went through my case study. (laughs) After a few months, I now need to actually charge $50 for it. And so I worked my (laughs) way up and and broad, and my business, just like you, uh, I know, were talking about with your podcast, it just grew without me doing anything but delivering a good job, (laughs) right? But it's one of those things, I think, where the word of mouth is the most important part because those clients I love have often friends that are similar and therefore I love them too. Because for me, it's important to have a client who is understanding how special our animals are and what they provide us with. So for me, the session is never just about, oh, yeah, he likes the red ball over the blue ball or you need to change the... A blanket because it's not soft enough. That's to me, very 3D world. And Nicole, today in your practice, how is it that you work? So there are two ways I work with animals and their people. I consider myself actually a relationship coach for animal and their people because I always consider myself the advocate in the conversation that needs sometimes to be had between an owner and their animal. And so I work mostly over the phone. I have several days where you can book on my website a session. And during those phone calls, there are usually three parts. And we always start off with the open mic. I always invite the animal at the beginning to tell us anything they want. All I have is usually a photo in front of me, a recent photo of the animal. I use that as a focal point so that I can kind of focus and open myself towards this animal and and let them know that I'm available for them to speak through me. I also, the animals know this, that I can also feel them. And so they sometimes send me sentences, sometimes a feeling, sometimes they show me a visual or a little movie scene. And so as I say, hey, buddy, what do you want to tell us today? They sometimes launch into things like, oh, you know, when I was younger, I could do all these amazing obstacles. And I would be like, oh, wow. And I realized they sometimes introduce themselves to me so that I know who I'm talking to. You know, it's not just an old dog, but it's an old dog who was once very athletic. So I always (laughs) love that. There is like a sweetness to it when they try to tell me who they are. Or sometimes they also want to remind the person of it, especially if it's an elder animal, right? They're like, hey, don't get too caught up in what's not working right now, 
remember like what we did together in the past. I love that. So and as I then tell the person, you know, what's going on, I sooner or later will say, you know what, let's just stop and let's just see what resonates with you. What do you remember? Is there anything you want to give feedback back to your animal? And so all of a sudden from the animal speaking by him or herself, now we're in a three-way conversation where the person says, well, he always liked this. And then the dog says, you know, that's where we went every year. And then the person says, how do you know that? And I'm like, well, he told me. So it becomes <laughs> this funny little three-way conversation that is often mind-blowing. At the end, we often check in and see what their energy is like. I work with the chakra system. So I work usually with the seven main chakras. And I go from the root to the crown and check, is there any imbalance? And if there is, we can discover with the chakras, which is the one wonderful reason I use the chakras as my modality is to say, hmm, is this imbalance mental, emotional, physical, or spiritual? Uh, sometimes people wonder, what is a spiritual imbalance? And that I consider is uh, when an animal is not living their purpose. So for example, if a former sport horse that jumped Olympic jumps, right? Olympic sized jumps, it's now being led in a therapeutic riding program, that horse might spiritually not feel fulfilled. Just like a German shepherd who lives in New York City in an apartment instead of in the country overlooking livestock might be spiritually absolutely off purpose. And that would come out in, in a balance. And when there is an imbalance, there are usually two ways we work together to come back into balance. I don't do anything without the permission of the animal. I use muscle testing. I use a pendulum to say, okay, are you ready for a balance? Are you ready to heal this? And if I get a yes, the animal can pick plant medicine. I have so many essences and oils and gem elixirs, and they will pick. I hold the pendulum. My hand goes over the essences and I go, okay, which one is it? Boom. And I have a question really quick, Nicole. If you can communicate with the animal, why do you use a pendulum and not just ask the animal? If I have 70 essences and oils and I would go like, okay, is it lavender? Do you want sandalwood? Would you like <laughs> sweet grass water? You know, we would spend two hours going through all of it to come to one. And I have to imagine too, you're also asking the energy, not their conscious mind, correct? Yes, I'm asking their higher self, really. That's how I would talk about it. Because that's actually a really good point, Andrea, because sometimes when the energy is off balance or out of alignment, the animal has, just like us, a hard time tuning into their own body to give me clear information. So if they're in fight, flight, or freeze mode, right, because of some incident that happened. Let's talk about a rescue animal. So you rescued a dog and she is anxious and cowering in the corner. When I try to learn more about her, I will always get better and more refined information if this animal is in balance rather than out of balance. So for me, it's like I offer them to come to a place of <sighs> exhale where they're not holding everything in the body. Some of these animals, as you probably have heard this 
expression, they have issues stuck in their tissues. It's literally, I can look at the photo and say, ooh, the hind end is all contracted, simply energetically contracted. So when I then say, would you like to use plant medicine to balance yourself because plants and animals are such a natural combo, right? Animals out in the wild find all the plants that keep them healthy. If you have a dog or a cat that gets to go outside, I mean, I hope it gets to go outside at least. If you see them, they often walk to certain grasses and start chewing on them. If their digestive system is out of sync, cats often walk, if you watch them, through flower beds and they rub along leaves and blossoms and different plants because they get that vibration from the plants and they know what's healing. And so for me, when I ask the animal, oh, which one of these plant medicines would you like to use? And they pick, it's always such an amazing surprise and fun education for me and for the for the person because you know you could say oh anxiety well let's offer lavender because right lavender is calming but it depends on where the anxiety stemmed from and if the anxiety stemmed from the belly or is is grounded in the belly you know chamomile might be a better choice than lavender so we learn a lot along the way as we're giving the animals the power to make choices on how they heal because I think we take a lot of choices away. Our domestic animals have not a lot of empowered choices. They can say, I don't like chicken or I don't like beef or I don't like this friend or that friend. But we determine a lot for them. And in my sessions, I try to give them the power back. I think that's so important. And I love the fact that you said how you learn and animals teach us so much if we will just pay attention and tune in to them. Here's a great example that, that you will love this example. So I was on the phone with a horse in this case. The owner said, you know, he is, I had the vet out a couple of times. He's losing weight. He has belly aches. You know, he had colic a couple of times, which is just like a baby colicking, you know, when your stomach cramps. And the woman said, we don't know what's going on. And so I asked the horse what's happening. And he said, I'm really worried about my herd. So I said to the lady, do you have another horse that is sick maybe? And she says, oh, no, they're all well. So he's like, no, I'm really worried about a horse. I'm like, you sure the other horses are all good? And she's like, yeah. So I asked, how's your dog? How's the other dog? How's the cat? No, they're all great. So the horse, again, like, I'm so worried. The aggravation in his body, the weight loss, is the concern about this other horse. And all of a sudden, he showed me this visual of a horse a little, like almost like farther away. And so I said to her, the other horses, your neighbor's horses, are they okay? And she goes, oh, actually, one of them died. And this horse and I have gone over there to see the other horse that is left a couple of times already. And the moment the woman said this, this horse went finally she gets it he was concerned about the neighbor's horse oh my. now the woman says that's not our horse that like why would he be concerned about it <laughs> this is the greatest <laughs> sentence the horse says herds are not determined by fences wow there's a house on the right there's a house on the left 
And for these horses that see each other across the pastures, there's no fence, there's no ownership, there is no you belong to me and you belong to them. For them, it's all one. I mean, it gives me goosebumps right now, right? It's such a great lesson for us to remember we're all connected and what affects one affect the rest. Exactly. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's so profound. If you expand that out from his life and his situation, again, we could learn a lot just from that one sentence. That's wow. There is another one that, and now we're coming actually to one of the pieces that is in my practice, very important. People love the idea of telepathic conversations, you know, and a lot of my clients at one point said, Ooh, can you teach me? Can you teach me? And it is more challenging to speak with your own animal. I find just because you have such an emotional attachment that it makes it hard to be neutral. Oh, yes. I agree with that. There's already that barrier. So, and then what happens is that people often, when they try to get into that telepathic, intuitive mind, they try to think their way over there. And it doesn't work that easily because you have an attachment to what it should look like, what it should sound like, what it might feel like. And so I taught a couple of workshops at the beginning, and then I realized it was deeply dissatisfying to me not to help people fully to get uh, to that intuitive space where they really can live, hang out, and have daily interactions. And so I started to watch myself, and I was like, so what do I actually do? And I realized I don't talk a lot telepathically with my animals throughout the day. I mean, once in a while, I'll get a little hit where I'm like, oh, the dog showed me that he's been worried about the neighbors because there's a fox on the property or something. Okay. But generally, I realized I actually engage with my animals much more verbally than telepathically. When I started to realize that, I noticed that a lot of my clients' animals also were wishing for the verbal conversations. And I'll give you another example here. This is just such an incredible story. So short, but so sweet. So this client called me and said to me, you know, my issue is my cat does not meow. She was one of the biggest talkers and she stopped talking right around Christmas. We had the family over and I don't know what happened. And when I tuned into the cat, she gave me this sense of things were unsaid. And when I checked through her body, her throat chakra was totally closed. So I said to the woman, you know, there's something that's going on in your family that has not been talked about. And your cat is aware of it and she doesn't understand what's going on. And the woman said, oh, that's interesting. We all got together because my mother had passed away and my family was there. And we talked about all that that was going on with my mom and the cat in the background. It's like, uh-uh, that's not it. That's not it. All of a sudden the woman was like, well, I have been diagnosed with, it was like Hopkins lymphoma or something. I mean, it was like a tr very traumatic diagnosis this woman had gotten. And she says, I haven't told anybody. Oh. Oh. Well, your cat knows. Oh. Your cat is aware that your energy is not congruent. You continue to act like all is well when inside you are probably a hot mess because that's a huge diagnosis, right? So I said to the woman, here's what you need to do. 
when we hang up the phone, you're going to sit down with your cat. You're going to tell her everything. She needs to wrap her head about this whole idea of what's going on. Moving forward, as you see doctors, as you get treatments, I'm like, you tell her what's going on with you so she can hold space for you. She wants to do energy work with you, but she needs to know that you and her are incongruence. So the next thing that happened is the woman sat down with the cat. Then she went to the bathroom. And as she was washing her hands, the cat was on the outside of the door. And she went, I love it. That's great. (laughs) What a great ending to that story. I love that. That's wonderful. In minutes, it changed. When the woman actually spoke verbally and explained what was going on. I mean, that's like how instant the change can be. Ready to skyrocket your spiritual growth in 2023? Archangel Metatron's magical 21-day meditation challenge will help you learn to have two-way dialogues with your angels, opening the doors to possibilities beyond your wildest dreams. Yes, you can channel angels. They will inspire, uplift, share healing energy, and more. You'll be amazed at how your life will transform with the support of your angels. Head over to debralupien.com forward slash 21 now for all the details, and you can find a link to that site in our show notes. What is it about the verbal communication, do you think, Nicole? Because is it that as we speak verbally, we're actually communicating telepathically at the same time. We're forming images in our minds. There's much more than just the the actual words being spoken. How do you explain how successful the verbal communication can be? So we are capable as humans to hold a lot of different thoughts in our mind. And for an animal to read through that weedful garden of our mind and see which one is the actual message for them is very challenging. You have to have a quiet mind to make a good point and bring it across. So when we speak out loud, however, what happens is we are laser sharp in our message. So if I say to you, speak to her and tell her what's going on, you will sit down and you will be very precise in your messaging because you are speaking. And when you speak, you cannot think 15 other things. And the interesting thing is when we speak and I say, I'm sick and I will be going to the doctor several times this week, immediately I shape a visual in my mind, right? We talk about it, the picture in our mind's eye. So what I do is I immediately see myself leaving the house, sitting at the doctor's office. And that is the photo, so to speak, or the visual that the animal can also receive. I always go back to Temple Grandin, right, who had taught us many, many years that animals see in pictures. The tricky thing is for people sometimes to think of now, how do I send a picture? And I say, no, don't make it complicated. Just say what it is and the picture comes along with it. It's a natural way of communicating. Yes. I'm curious. And I also agree with what you said earlier about it's difficult to communicate with your own animals. And I have had that happen with me over and over again. 
I conduct a lot of animal Reiki sessions in my practice and I'm fairly successful at connecting with the animals there. But my own animals is a very different story. What you just described, is that something that those of us who have pets in our lives, animals, and it's probably most of us who listen to this podcast, is that something that we can use? Like what you just described as far as the pictures and not trying to think your way through it. Do you have any tips for people who would like to connect with their own animals? Absolutely. For me, it all starts with a breath, right? Because when we look at our human self, we have a lot going on in our mind. We often spend a lot of time thinking about the future. We often also think about the past and regret things we didn't do or did do. And so we are really in the present moment. And for me, a conscious breath, not a radio breath, because we do many of those throughout the day, 20,000 a day, actually. But if we take a conscious breath and really go inhaling through the nose, getting it all the air all the way down to the belly, and then exhaling through the mouth, we actually become conscious of ourselves. And if we take three breaths like that, we actually change our busy beta brain to a slower alpha wave. And the alpha wave is the more receptive wave. And so every person I see, I always say, start with a breath so that you are actually meeting your animal where they are in the present moment. Because our animals cannot find us in the future or in the past mind. They can only find us when we're standing right next to them and tuning into them. And so for many people, just that already does makes a huge difference because they're not just looking at the animal going like, what, 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 what do you want? What do you want? But they take three breaths and all of a sudden they're in their body and all of a sudden they say, I know what you want. And their intuition shows up without them even trying to intuit it, right? So for me, the key is utilize your breath to connect to your body because when you're connected to your body, your intuition has an entryway. The mind, and I have this great visual, I want to just send that probably to you. It's this visual of the big bubble over our head where it's all like blah, 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 while the animals are in the moment and enjoying the sunshine. And we are often almost dissociated from where we are in that moment because we're so caught in our mind. So when we actually meet the animal where they are through our breath and body, we immediately have that same connection we had as a child. And from there, the channels open. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And what you described, it sounds to me a lot like when we try, trying sometimes gets in the way because when we try to do something, I've said this about other things as well. When we try, especially when we're working with energy, it introduces an element of fear. I've got to try to do this because it's important to me, that feeling. And that serves to restrict the flow of the energy. What you described is so perfect because you're connecting with the breath, you're connecting with the body. You're not really trying to connect with the animal. You're connecting with yourself. And at that moment, once we connect with ourself, the intuition naturally follows. Do I have that correct? Is that what you were saying? 
I think that's the easiest way to connect to our intuition. You know, when we try to go from mind to intuition, it's a really hard bridge to cross. But when we go from mind to body, intuition is already invited. Yes. And I would add, not just for communicating with animals, but in everyday life, regardless if you're wanting to communicate with animals, but just to be more in tune across the board. I think that's really, really great advice. So thank you for that. Yeah, it's really good advice. That's why I consider our animals being our life coaches, really, because they have our best interest in mind, always, because animals by nature always seek ease. Have you ever seen an animal by choice painting themselves in the corner? No. Animals only get scared or act out of fear or deliberately have behaviors that irritate us because something is not at ease, either within them or with us. And so they try to make the point. If your cat stumbles you up every morning as you're getting your coffee ready and you're zipping out of the house to your job and you get annoyed with your cat, you need to stop and think and be like, why is she doing that? And I can promise you she's doing that because you're not breathing, because you're rushing through the house, you're in your head, you're all caught up, you're not giving yourself enough time, and like a dog, right? You're just <laughs> panting around. And the cat is like, panting. change this energy. You know, we're all feeling the stress because of you being in this uh, hyperactive mode. So I think our animals are so in tune to help us come to ease because we as humans when we go into the mind and we're like oh my god I didn't do that or I still have to do this we are immediately putting unease into our system and unease leads to dis-ease and dis-ease we all know right if you have too much stress you get ulcers if you have too much stress you get migraines if you have too much stress you bite your fingernails, whatever it is. And the animal says, that makes you a weak link in our family because you are now not at your <laughs> highest and best. And that means we're all affected by that. Yes. Years ago, when I first ventured out offering Reiki, I started with the animals. I didn't you know, know at the time until I started that I could communicate with them. And it just threw me for a loop. And some of what I learned from the animals was just absolutely incredible. But what I found was so often that the issues that the caretakers, the, the parents of the pets, right? It was really their issues causing what the reason was that they were bringing them for the session. And what you just shared there is a total illustration of that. And I'm wondering if you could give maybe some examples. Some I'd love the stories that you've shared so far, Nicole. Do you have some more for us? I think you're absolutely right, Andrea. Generally, we know it's actually human-based, the behavior. You know, something that the human is not aware of. And I realized at one point that there are five areas for an animal and also for us but let's stick with the animal, that can influence the animal to be at ease or at unease. It's the people around them. It's the purpose they have. 
it's the environment, it's their herd or pack, and it's their health, right? Some animals are born with health issues. Feral cats often have a lot of issues because there's so much inbreeding. That's something that an animal might come into the world with. But I also know that the stress in the other four categories, people, environment, purpose, and herd or pack, stress in those areas can cause health issues in the animal. And so for me, I never look at the animal by itself. If you came to me with a dog, a horse, a cat, a bird that is stressing and showing an unexpected behavior, I always say, okay, who else lives in the family? I want to talk with everybody because I need to get the cat's perspective on the dog and the dog's perspective on the bird. Because everything we experience is experienced through energy that ties us all together. That's just the reality, right? Yes. So let me give you an example. So I was saying that I do phone sessions, but I also occasionally do house or barn calls. And this one was an interesting one. I came to a barn and walked into the pasture, new client, two horses. And I said to the woman, have you ever done this before? And she's like, no, I'm excited. And I'm like, okay, so let me explain to you what I'm doing here. And so I got into, you know, I might see something, hear something, feel something. At that point, I'm looking at both of the horses and the one straight ahead. It seemed very intrigued by all this. And all of a sudden, I hear this voice from somewhere. Oh, it must be this horse because I keep looking at him. So I said to him, what do you love most? And he said, taking pictures on the beach. And I went, what? I'm like, taking pictures on the beach. That's the oddest statement. So in my left brain, I go, should I really mention this to this lady? Because she might just think I'm crazy. This is her first session. (laughs) And I'm like, are you an advocate for the animals or not? Speak your truth. So I said to the woman, you know, what I just heard is that this guy over there, he likes to take pictures on the beach. And she said, oh, my God, I hired a photographer who came and took pictures of us on the beach. And he is a ham. He posed for the guy. Oh, my God. we can believe it. I'm like, really? You know, that was a good starter for us. And what came next was that, that the other horse spoke up and said, you know, I wonder why my person is not riding me as much anymore. I really would love to be ridden. And the woman said, well, ask the other horse why and I'm like well we'll ask him in a minute let's just stick with this girl here and you know so we came up with a plan why how the woman could increase her riding time again and as I'm talking with the woman and this mare the female horse all of a sudden I hear this voice again and it says it was an accident it was an accident I didn't do it on purpose and I was like wow so he showed me that he kind of exploded. And I knew he hurt the woman in that explosion. And, you know, sometimes I can only see or feel what the animal experienced. I'm not always witnessing it, but I'm in it. So I couldn't tell if he dropped her, you know, bucked her off or kicked her. And it turns out he had gotten his head stuck under an electric fence, lifted his head up, got zapped and kicked out and kicked the woman. Now, here's the interesting part about this. I eventually said, well, we all, of course, need a chakra balance here. So, And I started to go with my pendulum over his 
body, you know, I put my hands on, I asked him for permission. When I came to the head, I said, may I touch your third eye? And he turned his head towards me and I did out of balance. And then I said, may I touch your crown? And he didn't give me any indication that I shouldn't. So when I touched him, I wish I had it on video. The next thing I knew, I was two feet over to the left facing the other direction. And I was like, what am I doing here? And I was a little bit like, holy cow, is this horse now attacking me? How did I end up over here? I had an assistant with me and the owner of the horse, they both saw it. What happened is since April, so this was April and I saw this was in September. Since April, this horse held the church of electric fence in the back of his neck. And when I touched him, because I was so grounded, <gasps> I got to ground that electric guard. Oh, oh my, my goodness. goodness. So the woman, rightly so, did not want to ride her horse. And I think she intuitively knew she had brushed him, touched him, and done a lot of things with him. But she intuitively knew not to get on his back because they were still charging each other. It required somebody who was a neutral grounder. That's how I looked at it. Who said, okay, let me help you. <laughs> you know, not that I wasn't aware I was going to do that. But now in the aftermath, I'm like, wow, this horse really needed somebody to help him get past this. He was stuck with this charge. There was no other way he could or release it himself. So it's another example of how deeply connected we all are and what we can do for each other. When we ground, when we breathe, when we are embodied, we have such deep power to support others. And I think this is just another great reason for, for all the listeners to remember to breathe, you know, to remember to tune into yourself. So you are grounded. And when you're grounded, you will hear, see, and feel things and become, you know, hopefully you don't become a grounding rod <laughs> for animals, but you certainly become a vessel to receive messages that need to be heard. That's just incredible. Oh my goodness. What a story. I think too, what an example of you never know how a session's going to go. You can't ever really prepare. You just kind of have to go with it and always learning, right? You must Absolutely. be perpetually learning new things. Something that stood out to me was when you got that initial message about the photos on the beach and then your other side of your brain came in and was like, oh, she's going to think I'm crazy. How normal is that? And I'll bet you, right? we've all been there of, oh, She's going to think I'm crazy. Do I say this? And I love what you said. You said, am I an advocate for the animals or not? And you remembered that purpose. You remembered the reason that you do the work and you took the leap. And of course, she validated it. And I just want to underscore that. I want to light it up in neon for all of our listeners, because I hope the next time that they doubt their guidance, they remember that. Just you, we have to trust it. Right? Because it's the first thing that comes in and that's the intuition. I think our intuition is faster than our mind often. And so intuition comes in and says, Oh my God. Whoa. And then the mind goes, you gotta be kidding. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And that's the moment yep. where we gotta be courageous again and again and again, because I think our mind will always try to keep us safe. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. 
I think that's happened to every single one of us that do this kind of work, especially we've all had that experience where I can't say that she's going to think I'm nuts. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Another thing that I want to kind of come back to in terms of the verbal communication, there is a really great, simple way to remember how to talk with your animals. Because when we say things, and I had this wonderful example with our dog, Scout. We were going on a hike, and there are always these little here in Vermont, there are these watering holes where, you know, it's a little icky, mucky kind of waterway where all kinds of things are mushed up. And our dog loves to go in there to swim. And it's like, he comes out, he's white, and he comes out black. And so I didn't (laughs) want him to go in there. So I caught myself because when I saw him approach this water source, I said, Scout, don't go in there. And then I went, he doesn't understand the don't. Right. There is no visual for don't. Right. Don't is non-existing. So what Scout hears is actually or sees is go in the water. Yeah. The, right? The don't yeah. is not in existence. So I caught myself and I quickly said, Scouty, stay on the path. And I swear it was amazing. He was on the path. I had seen his energy moving towards the water. And the moment I said, stay on the path, I could literally see his body half an inch going to the left, away from the water and continuing on, never questioning it again. And it reminded me again, how important it is that we as humans say what we want. Don't say what you don't want. Yes, exactly. That's so important, especially working with energy. And it underscores, that's how the universe works. Here, I'm doing it, right? Tell the universe what you do want. Because if you say what you don't want, that's probably what you're going to get eventually. And It works the same ways with animals. And I've heard this before as far as talking to animals and avoiding the negatives and telling them what you actually want. And I have to remind myself to do that with my animals all the time because we always say, don't do this or stay away from that, or that's just a natural way for us to speak. But for the animals, it's giving them permission to do exactly what you don't want them to do. Exactly. Great advice. That's a really, really good point. Well, and I think that's especially important when we bring a new animal also into our life. And, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, that I work with a lot of animals that are cute. And (laughs) I'm so particular about words because I'm a writer. I even say to people when I meet them and they're like, oh, yeah, this is my dog. And, you know, he's my rescue. And I say, oh, when did you rescue him? Six years ago. And I'm like, He's not a rescue anymore. And if you (laughs) keep him in that frame of labeling, you know, he will never thrive as much as he could if you just refer to him as your dog or even as my special dog or as my most amazing dog or whatever it is. But when we keep labels on things, that is a restriction. And like I said earlier, always looking for ease and ease is expansion, right? Contraction is the opposite. And when we make them smaller or label them into something that is limiting, you know, we're not an expansion. And so when I work with people who bring a new animal into the house, and let's just stick with a dog because that's just such a common thing, you know, getting a dog from the South or getting a dog 
that has gone through a lot already. What I always tell people is set yourself up for success by telling that new dog everything you love. So if the dog is lying on a pillow quietly for, even if it's just for a few moments, say, wow, Kelly, I love that you're so quiet and you're, you're just on your new bed, right? That's like for Kelly, the dog, a signal saying, ooh, I like her energy. You know, the person gives me positive energy. I don't know her yet, but this feels good. She seems to be happy with me. It's, it's expansive, positive energy. You know, if she puts her paws on the sofa, let's just say, and I don't want her on the sofa, I say, oh, let me show you where your bed is rather than don't jump on the sofa, right? Because then she'll jump on the sofa. If we set ourselves up, you know, let's just say Kelly meets our cat and is not so friendly in that moment, or, you know, her hackles go up. I'm not going to say don't touch the cat. I will give her a signal that says, leave it. Or I often use, I love this. I say, none of your business. <laughs> it, there's a none in there, which I'm very aware of, but it's kind of like when I say none of your business, I like got garage door goes shut, right? It's kind of like off limits. It's clearly pay attention to something else. And then often, you know, the best thing is to redirect. I think that is one of the most important things to really set the new animal up for success by pointing out to them what you want and what you love. And if you, on top of it, breathe a lot in between and simply sit with your animal as they are trying to feel their way around and learn about all the new things in their life, the more breaths you take, the more grounded the animal will be. Because in my opinion, a breath is just as contagious as a yawn. You know how when somebody yawns or speaks about yawning, I mean, I could just see the three of us going to yawn in a second. <laughs> the same is true with the breath, right? If I'm at a cash register and I see a person in front of me super annoyed and stressing out because somehow things are not moving fast enough, I go, hmm. and I take a couple of nice deep breaths and guess what? The entire line at the cash register changes <laughs> simply by me breathing and grounding because it's a ripple effect. You know, people cannot not do it. So I think the more you are initially with your new animal, simply calm and grounded to get this animal into a place of rest and relaxation after they have gone through so, so much you know, traveling and at shelters and surrounded by other crazy animals that all hate to be in cages. The best thing you can do is breathe and explain things in simple sentences, like you would talk to a four-year-old. And that will get you a long way. Great advice. Nicole, I have to say, I'm trying that out at the grocery store next time. Uh, I, I, here. I know. <laughs> so I think that is just one little kernel of wisdom that you have shared over this hour that is practical and actionable. And I love it. And I think we could probably sit here and listen to you and your stories forever. <laughs> I just love it. I love the stories. I love hearing about the animals and, and how things have unfolded for you. And could you share with our audience, how can they find out more about you? 
And I think you have a special offer for the listeners too. Can you share about that? Yeah. When you just said that we want to share something with your listeners, I realized, my God, the simplest way really is for the listeners we have here today with us to go and test drive my podcast because I give a lot of great information. And you know what? We didn't mention your podcast at the beginning. So tell everybody, what is the name of your podcast? The podcast is called Let's Have a Chat because I felt that's the most important thing animals ask us to do, to have actual verbal chats with them. And it is on my website. You can just go and listen there if you're not signed up for any of the typical iTunes and Stitcher and you know all the different um, audio providers. I'm also a writer. And yes, I do have actually two books. One is for pet lovers in general. It's called Pet Logic. And my second book is Horse Logic that is more specific to horse people. And I would love to offer to your listeners interested in an animal communication session that I will give them either Pet Logic or Horse Logic uh, so that they can get to jumpstart on communicating with the animals and have actually something in their hands where they can go in and circle things or mark things. So, because sometimes I think a book is still a nice thing to have in your hands. So that would be so fun if I would meet some of your listeners in and their animals, you know, and at the end, give them a special little gift. Oh, and your website, Nicole, is mindful-connections.com. Correct. Yes. It's a plural connections. Yes. Well, we want to have lots of connections. So that makes sense. And they can book their session right there on your website, right? Absolutely. Yeah. That yeah, I try to make it super easy. You can go there, book a session. I have 15 minute free sessions for new clients. Just if you want to dip your toe in the water and see what this is all about, that's kind of a fun thing. And then the 45 minute sessions you can book. And that's when we dive in and we go from, you know, open mic to conversations to checking in with body, mind and spirit. Wow. And that's the one that you'll offer the free book. If you book a 45 minute session, then you will get a free book. And of course, you will tell me that you heard the three of us chit chatting here. And then I'll know that you're one that came through this beautiful channel. Yeah, that would be great. We'll put your website link also in the show notes for everybody too, to make it easy, but mindful-connections.com. Thank you so much, Nicole, for being with us and sharing all about your amazing work that you're doing. Well, thank you, ladies. I so love the platform you created, and I feel very grateful that you invited me to be part of it. It's just so wonderful connecting with like-minded, like-spirited people. We thank you again for joining us. And of course, we invite you to join us next time as we journey beyond the Reiki Gateway with Kathleen Johnson and Andrea Kennedy.